What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. One of the uncommon areas that I look at when I work with clients who are dealing with sciatic pain uh, are their feet. And why is that so important? It's because of the fact that the feet that we walk on are very, very similar to the tires and wheels that we use when we're driving. It's our connection to the ground. And I would be remiss if I overlooked that because there's a huge role in regards to how the foot interacts with the rest of the body. And it's also its interaction with sciatic pain. And I thought today's guest would be particularly uh, appropriate and the expert in it because he is a doctor in podiatric medicine. So today I have Dr. Keith Chittenden um, out in the East Coast uh, talking all things foot and biomechanics. So good morning, Dr. Chittenden. How are you doing today? Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. I'm doing fantastic out here. Awesome. Yeah. And thank you so much for being uh, taking the time out of your day to be able to share your expertise with our listeners. Um, if you could, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and your journey to where you're at today? Because we connected via LinkedIn and I thought your background was particularly uh, exciting being that you, uh, well, I'll let you share everything with the listeners. Go ahead. Sure. My, my journey has been uh, you know quite uh, interesting. I've had a lot of uh, different turns and stuff in my, in my career. I first started as a personal trainer and I was training in a, in a club called New York Sports Club out here on the East Coast, uh, mostly New York City and Westchester County, um, and had a lot of different types of clients, mostly people looking to lose weight. Um, I did have some athletes and I started kind of getting into that. And um, most of the athletes really were coming to me looking to increase size or to increase speed. They want to do better on the field and had more performance issues. So, so when I started taking on these, these uh, athletes, it really, really piqued my interest. And I started researching a little bit more on how I could kind of help them in athletic conditioning, athletic training. So uh, um, my interest kind of led me down a path um, in strength and conditioning. So I decided to become a certified strength conditioning specialist to the NSCA. And at that point, I was able to work with some of these athletes, mostly soccer, football, track and field, um, little baseball, little softball. But uh, I really enjoyed working on um, making them stronger and faster, working on, you know, lots of biomechanical types of uh, things that would be um, advantageous to them. And as I started doing more and more in this, obviously with sports, we have, um, you know, eventually somebody's going to get injured. And as a coach, I have to refer that person out to a specialist, usually a physical therapist um, or a physician um, to be checked out and then start a rehab program. So that kind of also led me down a path of research, wanting to do, learn a little bit more about 
uh, injuries and rehab and and a lot of soccer and um, and football and track and field uh, players. So it's getting a lot of lower extremity injuries, knee, ankle, and stuff like that. So again, as my research kind of put me down a different rabbit hole, um, a couple of years later, I went to physical therapy school, became a physical therapist. And worked for worked for um, a couple of organizations in Connecticut and, and in New York, mostly outpatient stuff. So I was seeing a lot more um, general population people who had um, either had an injury and needed rehab, or people coming in from um, um, doctors' offices who had a surgery, for example. They would come in, and I would start rehabbing them. So I had a lot of experience with that. So that also helped kind of push me into that world of, of medicine. Um, and as I started seeing a lot more patients post-op of surgical care, knees and ankles and stuff like that, that piqued my interest. And of course, as I'm a very um, curious cat, I'm going to definitely go down that, rat, that rabbit hole. And I did and learned as much as I can and really was very fascinated with the surgeries themselves. So I just really wanted to enhance my knowledge with that. And um, I got a chance to go and shadow some, a couple of orthopedic surgeons and a podiatric surgeon. Um, we had a case with a, with an ankle uh, fracture that had to be um, surgically corrected and then brought to rehab. So I really uh, established a relationship with this podiatrist, really enjoyed what he did. And I really liked his surgery, surgical types of stuff. And uh, I asked to shadow him for a couple months because I was interested in possibly pursuing a, a, a medical career. And again, a couple years later, went down the rabbit hole again and found myself in medical school studying to be a podiatrist. So um, long story short, I have a lot of experience, but I've gone through many, many rabbit holes, but my interest has just kind of peaked. And when my interest peaks, I just go down that route and um, led to another adventure. So here I am today, um, you know, uh, personal trainer, I have strength conditioning coach, doctor of physical therapy, and now a doctor of podiatric medicine. And I'm about to start my residency. I love so, that. So. First question comes to mind is, man, how do you sleep? Um, that's a that's a that's a right. lot of school and that's a lot of work. Um, it's Absolutely, sleep. Sleep was an option at that point in time. Well, actually, it's kind of funny how I kind of when I went down my progression of professions, my sleep schedule became shorter and shorter and shorter. And we got to med school, there is no such thing as sleep. You know, you want to pass or you want to sleep. That's your option. So. Um, so um, I've definitely learned one thing I've definitely learned through a lot of these these um, experiences is time management. That's like so important. You read so many books and motivational speakers are all talking about time management. And there is some truth there because you definitely want to manage your time effectively so that you can do these things and also have a life and or sleep because uh, that's very important. So it's been it's been one heck of a, a journey and I really enjoyed every every ounce of it. But um always learning, always trying to improve myself every day. It's always been a process that's a lifetime learning process. We all go through. A hundred percent. And so speaking about time management, um, I think one of the largest pieces is that when it comes to having to manage pain, say even like sciatica pain or even any sort of medical condition, we all have limited time on this earth and we also have a limited time during the day. And so when people are looking for solutions, they're looking for something that's effective, but also time effective as well. And this is where I think the the use of experts and various different specialties uh, is key. And it's important for us to be able to identify who should like who should we go to when we're experiencing various different issues. And so when it comes to pod- podiatry itself, um, podiatry uh, un- uh, as compared to say doctor in physical therapy, MDs, DOs. Uh, podiatry has its own credential, which is DPM. And a lot of people think, okay, all right, well, podiatrist, foot doctor, but 
I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about what you guys do. And so if you can share with us a little bit more about what podiatry is, so sure. we can kind of look at it in its reference to um, even something like sciatica pain. Sure. So um, a podiatrist is a medical professional. Um, we go to, we call podiatric medical school, just as the MDs have their medical school. It's called allopathic medical school and they get an MD when they graduate. Uh, DO goes to an osteopathic medical school and they graduate, they get a DO. We go to a podiatric medical school and when we graduate, we get a DPM. Our scope of practice is centered around foot and ankle um, ailments, anything from trauma all the way down to um kind of like a pain that comes out of nowhere and um, how do you manage that? So, you know, our expertise is surrendered around the, the foot and ankle. We also, um, depending on what state you live in, because there is some scope of practice um, issues with each state, we can treat everything up to the tibia tuberosity, which is that bone right in front of that uh, the tibia bone. So um, mostly if a podiatrist can do, um, can treat a um, an ailment such as plantar fasciitis, which is an example which can be managed conservatively um, and usually goes away. But if that does become a problem, we can treat other more aggressively using either um, a cortical steroid shot or impossibly surgery if it is that extreme. Um, we are uh, physicians uh, first, uh, basically our patient comes first. So um, as a podiatric surgeon, which we are trained in, we start in um, school at a third year, we start learning about surgery, surgery principles, um, different types of um, tools that we use and different types of approaches that we can use to um, correct any surgical issues such as uh, fractures of the ankle, fractures of the toes, um, any sort of infection. We're, we're very well known for foot and ankle and lower leg infection control. Um, majority of our, of our population in that kind of regards is diabetic patients. As diabetic patients, unfortunately, are prone to those types of um, um, infections due to their uh, glycemic index can be a little bit out of control. And at that point, when there is a wound that comes up, onto their foot and ankle, we're the first to take a look at it, evaluate it, and then treat it appropriately as 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 we can. So we do everything an MDDO does as far as giving uh, um, medications. We do surgery. Some uh, DOs are not, MDs are not uh, trained in surgery, but we actually are. Um, so we are staffed on most hospitals. Um, we get a trauma call for the foot and ankle. We're, you know, we're woken up at two o'clock in the morning to go in and, and fix an ankle or, or a foot. So, you know, we do, we do fill those roles just as, just as our MD and DO colleagues do. Um, so we've, just to know we are special in the foot and ankle. That's kind of like our bread and butter. So, yeah. And so, uh, and thank you for sharing because, uh, yeah, a lot of people aren't really quite sure. And I remember, um, I've worked with a couple, uh, retired, um, podiatrists as patients and, um, I'm always really intrigued in regards to what everyone's specialty, um, and, and how everyone interacts, uh, within the healthcare ecosphere. And so let's talk about its relation, the foot and ankle and its relation to sciatica pain. And so, sure. um, things that I've come across, when I'm working with someone who's had sciatica pain for probably a long period of time um, is uh, I mean, let's talk about one specific condition I find to be pretty common is often say like bunions. And so like bunions and like the, the great toe area. So listeners out there um, and, and Dr. Chittenden will probably uh, elaborate on this, but if you looked out at your feet, um, ideally you want to make it so that the, uh, the inner edge of your foot is pointing straight ahead, which is lined up with your great toe. Now, if you look at the inner aspect of your foot and, um, your, your big toe kind of juts out to the side where there's like a little bit more of an angle, 
that could be kind of like the early stages of a bunion. But those are the things that I would see, or that was one of the more common things that I would see with someone who would have, um, say, sciatica pain, but also their pain would be related to more um, that they they wouldn't tolerate, say, backwards bending, and they would actually prefer more like a forward bend because of just how things are how how things are aligned. So, um, Dr. Chinden, if you could share with us a little bit more about what you've seen with bunions and what are some of the common things that could be contributing factors to why they're there. But then also, if we're looking up the chain, what are some contributing factors that you observed um, for people experiencing sciatica? Sure, absolutely. So a bunion um, is actually a deformity, which is has an insidious onset most times, meaning that it, it basically worsens over time. So if you look at a bunion, a bunion actually, um, as, as Dr. Mack has basically described, it is that angulation, that lateral angulation of the of basically the toe going no longer straight. And bunions, surprisingly, are actually caused by faulty biomechanics. They start in the foot. And a lot of that, that has to do with flat footedness. So a patient who has a flat foot for a long period of time is going to have an altered biomechanical um, posture of the foot as well as a gait pattern. So when you're walking, as your biomechanics become less and less in neutral stance, we call and more in a pronated stance, that's going to trickle down uh, distally to the toes. And the toes at that point of that are going to adapt a different posture than what the neutral posture of your foot should be. As a result, you start to see that angulation of the toe no longer being straight, but now kind of going out to the side, going toward the, uh, the second toe, for example. And I know that people don't really look at where, you know, how you're walking, but when we look at somebody um, coming in for um, consultation um, or examination and they have a bunion, we're observing that during the push-off phase, where basically is your last phase of stance, the, the patient tends to push off by basically angulating their foot out to the side instead of angulating it straight. So what happens is that becomes kind of like your norm and like, you know, it's, it just happens. It, it becomes something that you, your body is going to compensate because of that pronation and that kind of that, that foot posture being out of place. Um, there was a very brilliant uh, podiatrist I actually um, got in touch with a couple of months ago. Um, he came out with a, with a theory um, and he called it the bio kickstand. And it basically takes a look at the posture of the foot and the posture the foot in a neutral stance should be even between three pillars, the first being the first metatarsal, the second being the fifth metatarsal, and the last one being the heel. So basically, you form a tripod, and that should be an even stance. So as time goes on and you develop kind of a pronated stance, basically means that that, that, that arch of your foot tends to start to drop and become flatter and flatter and flatter, that tripod um, actually becomes no longer in, in neutral stance. Now it's kind of angulated toward the pronation. He calls it the, um, the activated bio kickstand. And as your foot becomes more and more uh, pronated, and it is a progressive uh, thing, as time goes on, you get older, the joints become you know, um, much stiffer. As you get older, you might gain some mass. That, um, that bio kickstand is gonna become much more pronated. And at point where now you have a dysfunction, you have a broken bios, uh, you know, kickstand. The kickstand no longer is operating in a neutral uh, position. As a result, the bunion can form because of that altered biomechanical state. 
Now, this in and of itself can start leading up to the chain. So now you start, you start you know, with this altered biomechanical stance and gait pattern. And now what people t- tend to do, and we see a lot of this when people have that angulated foot, their foot, their whole, basically their whole foot and ankle starts going into what we call external rotation. When external rotation happens, the tibia, which is the bone connecting the ankle, that starts to also externally rotate. And that going up the chain, we go to the femur bone, which also externally rotates. And there's issues with that as time goes on. Um, you know, there's, there's something called trochanter bursitis, in which the the um, the outer muscular band called the IT band will press upon a bursa, which is on basically the outside part of your femur causing pain. There's a bursar there that that structure can actually cause pain. And, you know, if you lie down on a couch on your side one day, look, well, watching TV, and all of a sudden, wow, I got that weird pain. Where's that come from? This is basically a contributing factor from the foot. Everything is translating up. So going all the way up to the hip, we get to the hip area where the sciatica nerves first originates. Um, a lot of complaints and a lot of research has pointed um, to um, the reason of sciatica being a compression of the muscle called the piriformis muscle, which basically lies right on the outside portion of where that sciatic nerve runs down. So if that muscle, which happens to be an external rotator, and as I'd already explained, we have that that external rotation of the foot going all the way up the chain, we get to the hip, and now we have that muscle, which is an external rotator, becomes tight, and it stays in that kind of tight, shortened position. After a while, it will cause compression, and then you have that sciatica, and then you have to start having that pain in that area. Sometimes it goes up the back, sometimes it goes down. Some people, especially for a long period of time, they'll feel that pain starting to come down all the way to the back of the leg, and they start feeling that discomfort. So um, a lot of people look at the back and say, well, you might have a disc issue or there might be a hip issue. But if we, if we take a step back and really examine what's going on at the foot, we can start to kind of see a culprit starting all the way down there. And, you know, again, right, when I tell people about this, this uh, phenomenon, they're, they're almost shocked. But um, in my experience and, and my experience in the, in the years of physical therapy, now going into podiatry, and doing a lot, a lot, a lot of um, physical examinations and gait analysis, I definitely have seen these patterns emerging more and more. And definitely that's where I really start to see, I think it might be the foot and ankle starting all of this. So unfortunately it just translates up. And then after time, the pain starts to come and we have that sciatica issue. We are going to take a quick break to tell you about our awesome new program called the Sciatica Protocol. If you don't have the time to see a professional, but are tired of trying to figure out this recovery on your own, then the sciatica protocol is for you. Harness the power of a knowledgeable physical therapist through your phone. It takes no more than seven minutes per day, and it is designed to help you recover as quickly as possible. It is simple to start, and all you need to do is log into ifixyoursciatica.com forward slash the dash sciatica dash protocol and fill out the nine question quiz to begin. The link for the program is in today's show notes. Wow. That's a, that's an amazing explanation, Dr. Chittin. And because I mean, a lot of times people are saying, okay, well, I'm in this pain. I just need to get out of this pain. And then they're doing say a various different stretch or whatnot. So even if it's like, say for the, for example, the piriformis is in fact very, very tight. So they stretch the piriformis out. It's like, okay, my pain is relieved. 
the big question that us clinicians have to ask is why is this piriformis? Why are these structures uh, irritated in the first place? They don't just spontaneously say, hey, today I want to go ahead and give Joe sciatica pain. So I'm going to go ahead and tighten up this piriformis. And a large part of it is being able to say, why is this happening in the first place? And so looking further down the chain um, allows us to be able to understand, okay, well, what are these sources of, of dysfunctions and challenges that our body's going through, which results in these muscles being a little bit more tight? Um, and so, uh, one thing that I've observed in people who say have bunions or flat feet as well, is that they are, they are limited in this motion called, uh, ankle dorsiflexion and great toe extension. So pretty much listeners out there, ankle dorsiflexion, if you're standing and if you were to be lifting your, your, the ball of your foot off the ground while using your heel as a pivot point, um, that is ankle dorsiflexion. And oftentimes I notice that for folks who are experiencing, um, some sciatica pain that's actually related to the fact that their back is too arched um, and also have flat feet or some sort of bunion deformity, they have trouble actually lifting the ball of their foot um, off of the floor. But then also even the great toe extension, being able to pivot on that toe, which also really translates on over to that tripod that you were talking about, Dr. Chitton, and um, triangles uh, in physics world and engineering world is actually the strongest uh, shape and when you have that triangle, it allows us to have that stability. And we kind of lose that stability as that tripod starts to get lost, which then gets passed up um, through the rest of their chain. And so um, we talked about like bunions in, in uh, safe flat feet. And I think a lot of people are like, okay, well, it looks like I have that. Um, <laughs> it looks like I'm, I'm, I'm dressing my foot right now. It looks like I have a flat feet or it looks like I'm having a bunion deform. Uh, okay, I have a problem. Um what are some ways that, uh, what are some easy actionable ways that people can do or things to follow through that they can uh, address a problem like this on their own? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the first thing um, is to always, we, we, we examine the foot to see exactly where that dysfunction might be. Um, as, as doctors, we always want to take the most conservative route, the easiest route, the less invasive route. So the first thing that I look at when I'm, I'm looking at a patient and I'm looking, I, I definitely observe a flat foot deformity. I definitely see the arch is not there. I see, you know, that tripod has unfortunately really geared into that, that pronation. So we now have a broken kickstand and we fix that. The first thing I would definitely say would be an orthotic orthotics job is to kind of kind of actually spread out forces so we have the when you hit when your foot hits the ground there is a force basically your foot hitting the ground we have a force of the ground of the foot hitting the ground that's one force going down and the ground coming back up that's called a ground reaction force that's pushing up against the foot so if we are hitting the ground with let's say a um your heel is kind of we call a everted um, which basically means that part of the heel is coming down first and then the rest of the foot kind of drops down in a position. What we want to do is we want to kind of spread out those forces and put a um, basically a accessory object within your shoe, basically called an insert. We were basically what we want to do is spread out those forces so that the foot can kind of evenly hit the ground together at the same time. So one very common um, um, ailment that people complain about, especially in the heel area, is plantar fasciitis. Plantar fasciitis is caused by compressing of the plantar fascia, one specifically in the medial area of the spot, which is where most plantar fasciata begins. And it's because the foot's hitting the ground at that same spot over and over and over and over again, and that tissues become 
becoming extremely inflamed. So what we want to do, we call offloading that. We want to offload that point to the point where we can now spread out the forces of the foot hitting the ground as symmetrically as possible to basically even out that ground reaction force. So the entire foot now is absorbing the uh, force instead of one specific point in the heel. So the first thing we wanna do is definitely um, uh, encourage patients to get an orthotic. My personal belief is that a custom orthotic would be better for a person who has a very specific ailment. Um, You you mentioned bunions. Again, as I said before, a bunion is caused by a biomechanical deficiency and where you have the posture of the foot is no longer in that neutral position. So what we try to do with an orthotic is try to get that foot into a neutral position. The great thing with the custom orthotic, it can be customized to your foot. Everybody's foot's different. Everybody has a different ailment. Everybody has different issues. So you don't want to go to the store and just get something off the the shelf because it's basically off the shelf. It's going to do a very general and very minimal job. So basically, if you have like, you know, a a diabetic old Ulcer, you just don't go to the store and put a Band-Aid on it hope it goes away. You know, what you want to do is seek the proper advice, seek the proper medical advice so that we can customize a plan to help you with specifically your issue. And that's what medicine is. Medicine is customized for patients. A patient has an issue, you come and see a doctor, we examine you, we give you a prescription of, of what you need to do, whether it's a medication, whether it's going to physical therapy, um, or um, in this case, um, an orthotic. So a custom orthotic is basically done. You come to go to a podiatrist. We have a special tool that we use. We basically measure your foot and then we'll basically make a mold of your foot, depending on what the dietary go, go to. There is things with um, a, um, an orthotic can be done through like um, a box. We basically put your foot in a box and we basically catch the mold. Some podiatrists have much more sophisticated equipment where we actually will take a digital image of your foot and then we can customize an orthotic based on the contours of your foot, where you're having your pain, try to build up that area. So again, our goal is to kind of, you know, get the foot to be in a symmetrical position. So when it does hit the ground, you know, it hits the ground um, nice and evenly and takes the pressure off the areas that you are um, experiencing. As far as a bunion is concerned, if you do have a bunion and it's it, and it's, it progressively gets worse over time, it's an insidious onset. Um, unfortunately, um, the only way to really correct a severe bunion is through surgery. Um, that does take, again, a physical examination by a podiatrist. At that point in time, we would then go over, you know, what we think we should do. There are many procedures that we can do, um, you know, depending on what specifically the deformity is. Um you know, as far as preventing a bunion, again, um, biomechanically speaking, a good orthotic would definitely do it. Um, also, um, with the orthotic, I also suggest biomechanical exercises. Um, you can go to a physical therapist. The physical therapist will be able to evaluate exactly what's going on and give you proper specific exercises that you can do, um, not only for the foot and the ankle but also for the entire kinetic chain. As I said before, you know, things start at the feet and then translates up over time. So not only do you want to fix the foot ankle problem, you want to make sure that everything above the foot and ankle is in a good posture. Make sure that you are getting good, um, you know, strengthening and stretching to the proximal segments, the hip, the knee, and everything is in a line with everything. So um, it's a process, but it's definitely a step-by-step process process. It's definitely manageable. We've had great results. There's great research out there to support both an orthotic and the use of biomechanical exercises, therapeutic exercises given by a physical therapist or strength conditioning coach that will definitely help your problem. So there are solutions. 
Um, it's just a matter of just, um, you know, taking it on yourself to seek out those solutions, go to a podiatrist, go to a physical therapist and get these things checked out. Um, if you're having pain, don't wait. It's only going to get worse. Just go in and, um, and let us take a look at you and, and see what we can do for you. Right on. Really amazing action steps. Um, you brought up a very interesting point about uh, plantar fasciitis specifically. You were talking about um, it's a it was really an overload of the plantar fascia, especially on the medial side. But um, and and you said like one of the orthotics you use is actually as a way to offload um, that fascia itself. Which then, as you were saying that, made me think about one of the very common ways to treat plantar fasciitis from like a rehab standpoint. I see this a lot. Um, I don't recommend this but is to like take a lacrosse ball or like a roller and roll out the the crap out of the bottom of your foot. And to me, when you're having a plantar fasciitis, you're having an irritation of that tissue. Um, it didn't make sense to me to massage an already irritated issue. And so uh, what are your thoughts on that? If you don't mind me asking. Sure. Sure. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to switch hats and go to the physical therapy mode. There is something called trans friction massage. I'm sure you've heard of it. They, they, teach this in physical therapy school it's been going on for i don't know over 50 years or so something like that and and basically the philosophy behind that is if you massage the area that's inflamed you basically restart the inflammation uh cycle and you, and we and we get more leukocytes and neutrophils and all this all these different cells into the area to kind of redo the whole inflammation here's the issue with that um, I think that's a terrible idea only because of the fact that your body has already done that. And I can tell you, especially if you're a young guy or a young gal um, and you're and you're you're healthy. Otherwise, your 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 inflammation system cycle has already done that. You've already had the uh, the process of inflammation, proliferation, and then you have your start in that redoing that is not going to make it better. Um, in my experience as a physical therapist and as a, as a podiatrist, there are many different other options. Obviously, orthotic, as I talked about, is one of those options. Another option is stretching and strengthening the area, specifically in the deep plantar muscles themselves. There are actually four layers of tiny muscles that are actually in the sole of your foot. And over time, as you get older and if you, if you do gain weight or become more active, these muscles tend to become weak. And so it's it's up to a rehab um, perspective to strengthen these muscles. We want to stretch muscles specifically around the ankle, the lateral muscles, also known as the peroneal longus, peroneus brevis. We want to stretch those out. We want to get those more mobile. We want to definitely strengthen the area of where we're getting that inflammation because in, uh, the tendonitis, the tendinosis area is an area which is getting overloaded, overloaded by specific forces but the other muscles around the foot are kind of on vacation because they basically have weakened, they let go, and now they're no longer functioning and, and really contributing to that functional posture I was talking about before. So that is definitely a process. Not only do you need the orthotic, but you definitely need to have the rehabilitation in there. You want to strengthen all those, those little plantar fascia muscles um, and go to a good physical therapist and they have tons and tons of different ways to do that and different pr approaches. As, as Dr. Mack has already explained that um, you know, doing that again and over and over again um, with, you know, your finger, they got tools out there. I've seen the Graston tools where they constantly going over and like that and you're just re-inflaming it and you're going to be in more pain later on. So I, I, I don't I never even understand that that concept to begin with. Obviously, we had to learn it as physical therapists, but um, there are many uh, other uh, solutions. And with research has already shown that the strengthening portion is very underutilized. 
Um, and stretching is out there. A lot of podiatrists always are giving stretching exercise to um, patients. But I think that the thing that the, the component that's missing is that strengthening part. And they are really strengthening the plantar fascia muscles, the, um, the ankle muscles using TheraBands and all kinds of other stuff. We can really do a much better job and we can really um, prevent all of these ailments very easily. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I appreciate it, Dr. Chin, and for you to be able to share that because yeah, it really baffled me. It's like something's already inflamed. You're going to massage it even more and it kills me. Um, and so uh, looking at this whole thing, um, one thing that I have done um, when I'm working with my patients, um, especially if they are having some foot issues, is, um, and I'm all about simplification. And one of the things I found to have great success is actually helping, like, say, for example, someone has bunions or plantar uh, or flat feet, they often stand with their feet turned out, like kind of like a duck walk position. And I'll often say, okay, so your orthotics will be great. You can wear them, but then also try walking or try standing with your feet pointing straight forward. And it's not necessarily happening so that your toes are facing straight forward because for the most part, people's toes are a little angled out anyway, but making so that the inner edge of the foot is facing straight ahead. And the moment I have people do that, a couple of things happen. Number one, when they feel like they're, they're they feel like they're pigeon toed. Um, but then also number two, they actually notice that their abs start to kick in a little bit more, their back and pelvis feel a little bit more stable. Um, and so as you were talking about, it's like the moment that those feet are externally rotated, the tibia externally rotates as well. Everything starts to kind of collapse inward, which then actually real uh, changes up the pelvis. So um, I often tell my my clients to say, listen, we have these solutions from a very small micro level, but from a macro level, this is what we need to be able to do from a behavior standpoint. So as you wear these, it doesn't give you permission to do the same thing that you've always been doing, but it allows you to be able to just distribute that force, as you were saying, and we need to focus on, okay, let's have it so that the feet are facing straight. And from a neurological standpoint, truth be told, we should be able to get in all various different positions without issue, without injury. But if we're in a position for a long period of time, that's when our bodies and our nervous system says, hey, body, I've had enough and I need to change this up. So even just simply turning those feet forward, not necessarily in, but more so forward has a has a huge impact, but it definitely gets compounded by the work and expertise that you podiatrists do. So um yeah, I just wanted to share that. And I appreciate you, um, everything that you're doing and, and what your profession does. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as I said before, um, you know, um, and most people know this by now, um, that, you know, in medicine, you know, we have um, obviously the medical doctors, but we also have physical therapists that are extremely helpful and a very integral part of treating patients. So when we have uh, foot issues like this and um, we treat them, you know, they basically come to our office, we treat them, but we, I always will send a patient to physical therapy and and, you know, in, in some cases, I'll actually write in the script exactly what I want done as far as, you know, not only do these the the foot and the ankle strengthening and stretching, but I also want you to make sure that, you know, you take a look at the hip, see that, make sure that they got the strength in there, you know, work on some VMO strengthening, work on some, you know, even isometric, even um, short arc quads for some uh, quad strengthening, hip strengthening, definitely all of these components you know, all make up the chain. Okay. The, the feet are, are very important because they are the base of the chain. So as you're going up the chain, every component, every, we call a link, um, which is basically each joint 
contributes to everything below it. So it's not it's 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 good that you are definitely taking care of the feet, but don't forget that the rest of the body needs to rely on the feet. So you want to make sure that you have proper flexibility, you need to have proper strength. And with sciatica, obviously stretching the piriformis is going to be an option, but also strengthening those glute needs, strengthening the glute max, those all contribute to you know that alignment as dr mack was explaining that everything needs to basically be in that neutral alignment and if one one kink of the uh, chain is out of uh, whack it's going to basically translate up the chain uh, eventually so um you know i definitely make sure that my you know any uh, physical therapist is looking at every aspect of a chain not just foot and ankle so um yeah absolutely great point um great point to uh, to make but everything is a system everything needs to work together from top to bottom and so uh, as these listeners are hearing the the benefits of, of working with a podiatrist, um, uh, I guess like the big thing is that, um, and I've experienced this recently trying to find a new doctor. I'm like, I don't know, like, as I'm trying to find a new doctor, there's so many doctors in my area, but also a bunch of doctors are not taking new patients. And so if we're looking at, if the listeners are thinking, okay, I should see a podiatrist and then they should start doing the search. What are some of the qualities or things that they should be looking for, knowing that the podiatrist that they're going to work with is actually going to be the right podiatrist for them? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, as I said before, we're all trained, um, you know, the same. We get out of podiatry school, um, but there are specialties within our, our field. There are podiatrists that focus on surgery only. There are podiatrists that focus on wound care only. There are podiatrists that focus on biomechanics and, and orthopedic. Um, um, different types of medical equipment that a patient could use or need. So if you are looking for a podiatrist, if you need a surgery, you want to definitely go to a, a podiatric uh, surgeon um, that has possibly either done a fellowship or has specialized in a specific uh, surgery. There are uh, podiatrists who focus on just the toe surgery. There are, there are podiatrists that focus on just ankle surgery. So you want to be just cognizant of exactly you know who you're dealing with. You want to take a look at their profile. You want to see where they possibly done a fellowship and that will give you a good indication that they're specialized really in there. If you need an orthotic or if you need somebody to do a biomechanical examination, you definitely want to look to see if they've either done a fellowship or they have some past experience or past um, credentialing um, that basically gives them that ability. So it's, it's always very prudent to when you're looking for, whether you're looking for a podiatrist or a primary care doctor, you want to definitely take a look, take some time, take a look at their bio, see exactly, you know, what kind of experience they have, what they have focused on, if they have a specialty, what that is, where they train fellowship wise, if they have credentials, um, such as, you know, if they had strength conditioning background, a PT background or an athletic training background, that probably would help you, especially if you're an athlete looking for, um, um, you know, on a specific issue with your ankle and foot. So definitely being very prudent to, you know, kind of shopping around, just like you would shop for a car. You want to definitely spend the time, research to see, you know, what car would really suit you, what kind of ratings they have. Same thing with uh, with doctors. We have something called, um, I think it's called MD Vitals, and it's a website. You go on there and you can check out the doctor as far as, you know, how long they've been in practice. You can take a look at a patient's uh, reactions. There's like a section on the bottom and you, you can actually read about, you know, how the doctor treated them and what their expertise is. So that probably can help you out. But there are definitely a lot of tools and a lot of resources out there. There's a ton of stuff on, on the internet. I'm sure people know about that, but just be prudent of, of what doctor that you need, what specific problems that you need, and just kind of look for that person that um, specializes in that. I love it. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Shin. And this, 
information is so valuable. I learned a lot today too, and just being able to see how the foot really interacts because in my head, uh, and also what I've researched, I said, okay, yeah, the foot has a huge role, but to be able to hear it direct from a podiatrist's mouth, uh, as well as a biomechanist like yourself and a physical therapist, there's a lot of weight to what you bring. And um, I'm very thankful for you taking the time out of your Saturday to be able to, uh, to, to share your knowledge with the world. So for the listeners out there who are thinking, okay, yeah, this is really helpful, but I still have a couple of questions. Um, what's the best way for people to get in contact in the event that they just want a little bit more information? Sure, sure. Basically, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. You can look look up my name. Um, if you want to send me an email directly, my email is Keith, K-E-I-T-H-F-I-T-9-9 at hotmail.com. Shoot me an email. I'll, I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can. I possibly can. Sometimes I get a little busy. So give me about two or three days, but I will definitely get back to you. Um, so any questions, any concerns, you know, please, please let me know. I'd be more than happy to talk to you. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Dr. Chittenden. Thank you very much for having me. I really, I really appreciate it. And I really had fun today. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider.